This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Multiplayer Gaming Podcast. Every Thursday, like today, we release a Twig episode, which stands for This Week in Gaming. We are going to be breaking down recent gaming news that we found most interesting over the last week. If you've not already done so, please take a second to rate our show five stars and leave a written review. You can also help our show by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get a shout out on the show when they sign up, and they also get bonus Squadcast episodes every month. Head on over to MultiplayerSquad.com to sign up. All right, I am your host, Paul. Joining me, he's trying to decide if he should shut down lights or life support to power the refueling station. It's Josh. Uh, Shut that life support down, man. I don't need to breathe, but I need to be able to see. I know. We're going to talk about it later, but I couldn't believe the decision in that video. I'm like, keep the lights. Keep the lights. All right, we'll get to that in a minute. And joining me and Josh, he's hoarding his persuasion points, waiting for the best time to catch them in while traveling amongst the stars. It's Michael. I am very persuasive, by the way. <laughs> I have gained lots of life persuasive points from persuasion on people. There you That's go. all I have to say about that. <laughs> very no, nice. Was that a plus one or a plus five persuasion? Plus 17. Making it up. <laughs> nice all right guys we have a lot to talk about this week let's start with starfield i think this is probably the biggest news of the week there was a video released by bethesda with director todd howard and he talked an awful lot about dialogue about starfield inspiration behind why they wanted to make starfield all kinds of stuff they even talked about whether or not starfield should be considered hard sci-fi I don't really know where you guys want to start off with this, but what were your overall impressions in watching this video chat with Todd Howard? Can I can I start off here, guys? Number one, this is in the future because they're traveling through space, mm-hmm. and the they used the the graphic from where you're talking to the guy that's in the space helmet. He looks like a space pirate or something yes. like that, and the dude has electrical tape over one of his eye sockets. <laughs> we can do in 2055 or whatever time this game takes place we're still using electrical tape hey it works it works josh things go wrong you gotta wrap up those loose wires what what, what do you ever go eye socket like why would you put electrical tape over your now that said it did look pretty cool i did actually enjoy the aesthetic of this guy's helmet i was like this guy looks pretty cool man oh how funny all right, let's start off by talking. <laughs> let, let, let's start Sorry, off a little bit with it, whether or not it's hard sci-fi. So basically what Todd Howard said was, 
in a sense, yes, it's hard sci-fi in that you can connect the dots from technology today to the future of Starfield and how they got to where they are. For example, using electrical tape for those eye sockets. But in a greater sense, he said, no, it's not hard sci-fi. Hard sci-fi is you're going to die out in space cold and then, you know, game over. It's going to be a little bit more fun than that. He did say in the initial builds, they were testing things like having fuel and then with running out of fuel out in open space. He said that it really just kind of grinded the game down to a halt. Um, I'm pretty sure, Josh, they just needed to play Elite Dangerous for 20 minutes to figure that out. Right? I was going to say, oh, if oh, you didn't yeah. do it, I was going to do it, Paul. <laughs> I was All I could think about when they're talking about this fuel uh-huh. thing on the ships yeah. and how the gravity affects the fuel rate and you're mm-hmm. flying around. And they were saying, look, we kind of did away with that. And I just went, thank goodness. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank goodness. Yes. Do not Boo. make your game like Elite Dangerous. <laughs> Nobody Boo. wants that junk. I don't want to run out of fuel in deep space, man. I don't know if I'd say nobody wants that All junk. Right, you just add a fuel few scoop to your reasonable ship and get people there. want the scoop that. fuel for the star. <laughs> <laughs> Michael famously loves Elite Dangerous. It does Love. sound like they are weeding some of those elements out to make it a little more accessible to the masses. They said that your fuel, instead of just running out, it'll only let you jump so far at one time. And that's kind of how they're like finding that compromise where you can't just warp to the other side of the galaxy in one go, but they also don't want you stranded with running out of fuel. I do think running out of fuel is kind of lame for a video game mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Not, you know, and of course not, Every game can be as scientifically accurate and wonderful as Elite Dangerous. <laughs> so we'll take some concessions where we have to. I, I will say that I've played a lot of space games where fuel does come into play. There is something to be said for the risk reward factor in like you barely made it to your destination. You're on fumes. Man, it really added to that like sense of tension and, and, and that kind of thing. But that also said running out of fuel or having to manage fuel usage to where it's like i can't play this game the way i want to play it because i have to worry about this inconvenient thing is a bad quality of life thing so it does actually seem like they're balancing that in the sense where they're like we tested this we want this to feel like space flight which is good that's the right thinking but we don't want it to be so inconvenient that now you feel like you're just working instead of playing a video game. So I like the fact that they're conscious of that stuff. We'll have to see how that plays out because at the same time, like you said, Paul, if I can just jump from one end of the galaxy to the other, that doesn't really feel as good. So at the same time, I kind of want some rules that I have to follow. I just don't want those rules to be super inconvenient either. Well, and there's a good point to be had too, and I'll draw a parallel to Elite Dangerous again real fast just for the sake of this, but Essentially, the point of this game is not to be a spaceship simulator. Like, Elite Dangerous is meant to be that way. You're meant to have these challenges. To your point, Josh, that's just an inconvenience that this game doesn't necessarily need. It doesn't hinge on the accuracy being like, oh, well, I need to make sure I have enough fuel to get to this point and that point. But on a gameplay standpoint, do we really want to say that, like, I can just snap my fingers and get to this side of the galaxy? That's also not fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you got to find the right balance. And I got the sense that whether or not Bethesda landed in the right place, it's something that they are considering. And that's what I like. Todd Howard did say, hey, we're reading books on physics and warp theory and how it would work and thinking through the actual physics, but also balancing it with gameplay mechanics. So hopefully they find that right balance. Uh, Another part of the video that I found very interesting is during character creation, 
you can select different traits of your character. And they give you both a positive and a negative. This part was cool. I thought this was cool. Yeah. yeah. We, are, we already knew that there was a trait system. But what he said is that the game will give you a quest to remove the negative aspect of your trait. And that kind of made my ears perk up a little bit. Because right. I thought, oh, you could actually get into some pretty clever storytelling and character development. Now, we don't know how beefed out that system is going to be. But I did pause the game and I read through some of the traits. So did you do the <laughs> I did same, the Josh? Same thing because they, yeah. they just they're talking about it and they're scrolling through like five or six traits. And then I went, wait a minute, I want to see yeah. what those actually say. So I did. I went back and paused the video like on each one. Uh, I funny. love this system, man. I think this is a great idea. Yeah, like one example. So not all of the traits even showed the negative aspects. So I think it, it was still like a work in progress. But one of the traits that did kind of make me chuckle was called kid stuff. And it said that your parents are alive and well, which is the positive aspect. And it says you can visit them at their home. But as a negative side, 10% of all the money you earn is deducted automatically and sent to them. So (laughs) I was thinking in my head, well, how do you make a quest to remove the negative side? Does that mean I'm going to like help them with their failing business and I'm going to help them like (laughs) develop some new business partnerships. So now they can take care of themselves. I don't know what this is going to look like, but I do love the idea in theory for like building your character and working your way through those negative traits. I, I, it is very neat to say, Hey, here is a perk, but it comes with a cost. And I actually like that in a lot of games because it doesn't, when you have the choice of what you select, because I'm making that choice then, right? Um, but I really like this aspect. Some of the other funny ones, there was one where it's like you're famous, but you have <laughs> yeah. a fan that's like your <laughs> biggest you. fan ever, and they follow you around the universe, and they'll show up at inopportune times and yeah. start just talking your ear off like they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe you're here. But you might be in the middle of like something else, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. But they'll um, give you a gifts at random. Right, that's the perk. Yeah. It's like, but they'll give you gifts. <laughs> and then I'm like, ooh, what kind of gift are they giving me? It reminds me uh, a little bit of like Dungeons and Dragons or Warhammer, like an actual role-playing game where you have something like a trait where you're overly handsome. And so your charisma is really high, but people don't take you too seriously when you say something smart because they think that you're just pretty and dumb. And it's like, I, I love stuff like that. It adds in an element. But taking it one step further and saying you can do quests to change this, you know, I think it adds to a lot. It adds a lot to this game where they've already got a lot of cool things going that kind of set it apart. It's not going to be just like the other Bethesda games like, you know, Oblivion and, and, and Skyrim and things like that, where they're actually trying to innovate a little bit of their system. Even though we've brought back the same dialogue system and, and kind of brought back the same dialogue system, we're still adding some more layers to this that don't make it a run of the mill everyday Bethesda game, which I, I like this. Yeah, so speaking of dialogue, they did address a lot about the development for dialogue in Starfield. It has more lines of dialogue than Skyrim and Fallout 4 combined, and actually Oof. by a really large a margin. Lot. What is it, a yeah. quarter of a million? It, yeah, they said over uh, over 250,000 lines of dialogue, which is more than four times Skyrim by itself. So that's that's a lot of dialogue, wow. guys. It yeah. is. Yeah. It it makes me wonder, is it that the game is this large? Like you're going to multiple planets and interacting with multiple species and people and things like that? Like that sounds really neat to me to give you that grand scale. 
Or is this just a very, very wordy game to where I start wanting to just skip dialogue? Yeah, start <laughs> saying like, yeah. I don't need this much. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, so I'm curious to see how they implement that. The number sounds astronomical when you think about it. So I'm actually more leaning towards, I hope that this game is really just genuinely this big. And so if I fly to this planet and talk to these people, you know, that's going to be dialogue, you know, and so on and so forth. So totally with you i hope it's just a matter of the game being that big and that many people to go out and meet or options that you have too right exactly well, I mean, just just for comparison like grand theft auto 4 has one hundred thirty thousand lines of dialogue and that's a pretty dialogue heavy game like this is really a lot of dialogue yeah. yeah lots of story lots of people hopefully without being too wordy and boring now the other main part of this is that they showed a little bit about what they are calling their persuasion system. So historically, when you look at other games, whether it be like Fallout or Mass Effect, normally there's where you can put points into charisma and it just unlocks dialogue options and then you can click it and it always succeeds. And now you have access to persuade someone in some way, whether it's through intimidation or charisma or whatever. Well, what they're doing a little bit different here in Starfield is that you will actually earn and bank persuasion points and then you choose when and how to cash them in that to me seemed also a very clever new way of doing this so for example the guy with the electric tape that josh is referencing (laughs) electric tape he he's apparently some kind of space pirate we don't know the context but he wants to know what treasures you have on your ship and they click on the option to start the whole persuasion. And you can see that there are different options. I think he has like three persuasion points and there's options for like one, three, five, and seven. And they are different options of dialogue. And so you can choose. And, and, and if you know, I've got to persuade this guy right now. Maybe you cash in all your points and take one of the heavy ones. Maybe you think maybe one of these lower level ones will persuade him anyway. I think that's kind of a novel take on persuasion. I like this system a lot, and they reference that they're going back to the system, but I don't remember what game the system is from either. No, well, like, not the persuasion, but they said it's the classical dialogue. Like, oh, not, is that what it is? Not okay. the D pad from Fallout Four. I think they mean okay. anything before that. Oh, okay, because okay. they were referencing like that this system existed before, and I'm like, I don't remember this persuasion points thing. No, I <laughs> just love the this. dialogue. I love it because if you're going to have this much dialogue in the game, and you're going to be interacting with all all these people i really like the fact that it's like do i save up my persuasion points from when i'm getting robbed and i'm gonna lose all my cargo to try to do it then or do i gamble and say hey i'm only gonna spend one persuasion point on this but this could backfire because now i just anger this dude or they rob my ship anyway (laughs) and i should have gone you know higher my one fear in this system is i don't know if you guys are like me but like potions in video games I don't ever use them because I'm like, oh, oh, this potion that's going to put poison on my blade. I better save that for that boss fight where I really need it. And I wind up never using it the entire game because Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, I better save this for that one thing. So it's like, I don't know how I'm going to, I I feel like I'm just going to hoard these persuasion points. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then never use them. But I, the system really seems like they've thought it out very well. The options that they showed in the demo are drastically different. Like it does seem like the guy's trying to hijack your ship or steal your cargo or something. So it's like one, like if you spend one persuasion point, you're basically trying to like bluff your way out and say like, this is a, you know, a charity ship. There's nothing on board. 
like persuasion five is basically like, I'm going to blast you into space, you know, get off my ship kind of thing, you know? And it's like, Oh, well this is, you know, that one sounds good, but like, are they guaranteed? Like, that's the thing I don't get. I don't know. And so I think they could do a lot with this system. I'm just curious to see how it actually plays out in actual gameplay. Yeah, I think it adds a unique strategy to the player as well. Like we talked about, like I'll, I'll draw a comparison to Cyberpunk, which we just played. If you put a lot of points into the body aspect and you have to like go open a door by using your strength, you know that's randomly going to happen sometimes. In this case, you know that like there's going to be a couple whoppers where back to back they're going to give you a couple of string along uh, like persuasion checks back to back, and so you've got to think about it. Like, do I save these for small things here and there? Maybe I just get a little bit of luck and someone gives me something for a cheaper price or do you again strategize where you're like I'm going to save this for the big whoppers I think the one more layer in this though is it also adds to replayability in the video game because you can play through all the thing realize you missed a persuasion check because you had no points and now you could go through on a second playthrough or whatever and say I'm going to now save knowing this big moment comes to see what happens differently which I think adds a bit more just flavor to it than just knowing that well I'm going to put points in the body so if I have to open a door I can open a door the strategy piece is kind of cool. Yeah. So one quick question for you guys. How confident are you in this point with Starfield turning out as a great game? Like scale of one to 10, where would you say your confidence score is? Eight. I was going to say eight as well. I'm, exactly I'm getting more say. and more confident. Now, I know that's the point of these videos and stuff. And these are finely yeah. crafted videos by Bethesda. Todd Howard's got a about reputation. It. I, he does. <laughs> and that, you know what I mean? But I'm falling for it again because yeah. it's working. You know what I mean? It really is. But I, it, I, number one, they delayed the game, which as much as we hate delays, I'm all for it. So that yeah. tells me that they're actually trying to make this game great. You know, hey, it wasn't ready for release in what a month from now was initially 11.11 was going to be when it released. And now it's first half of 2023. Fine. We hear about stuff like the fuel usage and they were like, look, this was in the game. This is how it worked. And then we realized this isn't actually fun. That is pointing me in the right direction for them to say, we're trying to make this game awesome. You can give me some huge number of dialogue lines like, okay, I get that maybe that's a selling point. But again, it's how you use them. If I'm stuck doing nothing but 30 minutes of dialogue every 40 minutes, that's not going to be a fun game. You know, um, but if it's, hey, you have a thousand options over the course of, you know, 15 different planets, which is why there's so many. That sounds amazing to me. You know, and so I am getting very excited. I think this game is going to be very good. I think the delay really also, uh, we're hoping, is is more like the idea of not not the delay like what we're seeing with Skull and Bones, but the delay we should have seen with Cyberpunk. They're polishing a few things that just need to make it work better. Yeah. Yeah, I would say at this point, I'm going to say 6.5. I'm trying to be reserved in my optimism. <laughs> All right, well, we're about halfway through the episode. We're going to take a short break, and we will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Okay, next story of the week. This might be my favorite story. I know Josh was a fan of this one. Oh, we were man. both chuckling about it oh, before we started man. recording. 
Guys, fall, <laughs> Fallout, Far Cry, still got Bethesda <laughs> on the brain. Far Cry 6 is launching a Game of the Year edition tomorrow. Woo! And Go it is Far at Cry the 6! nice, cheap, cheap price of $120. There's only one problem. They haven't won any Game of the Year awards. What the heck? How can you have a Game of the Year edition? Well, Paul, let me explain this since everybody is listening to the number one podcast in the world right now. <laughs> of okay. the year and the life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcast of the I, year edition. How do you do this? Self-proclaimed. Like, I, I, this is hilarious <laughs> to me. It made me laugh so hard because if you, if you read into this, they were nominated for a couple awards in some of the different awards things but yeah did not they're voice win acting. any of them yeah and they're they like didn't voice. Win any of them yes <laughs> <laughs> it's like and, it, and then it's like hey guys it's the game of the year edition and it's like but you didn't win game of the year and for all intents and purposes when's the last time anybody heard anything good about far cry 6 been a while dude and it's 120 dollars. Uh, this is literally the obama meme where he's like putting the medal on himself you yes. know this is this is far cry 6 <laughs> doing that and still charging an absorbent an exorbitant amount of money for this. I think this is a hilarious story. Dude, this, I don't mean to beat up on Ubisoft, but this is why I'm starting to like feel like I want to just punch Ubisoft every time it comes up in the news. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like, what are you doing, man? You can't, you can't call it game of the year when you won zero awards. You're trying to charge twice the price on this game. And any gamer that has looked into this game, I, I, to be fair, I never played it because it's the same as Far Cry 5 is the same as Far Cry 4. I know people that have played Far Cry 6. And when you ask them and you go, how is it? They go, it's all right. Yeah. You exactly. Know, like, it's all right. It's not bad, but it's not, not game good. of the year. <laughs> is it $120 worth? No. Is it game of the year? Well, no. <laughs> totally bananas i i this this one definitely made me laugh i ha, have some self-awareness ubisoft you Dude, can't just put out game of the year edition when you're not game of the year put as much effort into your video games as you do into your hype for your video <laughs> games and your video games would wind up being good again totally maybe. agree with you maybe <laughs> maybe maybe it's maybe, gonna, maybe, maybe better maybe it's gonna than more work good yeah oh man all right let's move on here we got some video footage of the dead space remake yes. this is a game that i know especially me and josh i don't remember if michael was a huge fan of dead space back in the day but never played it. okay we've definitely been looking forward to this remake because it's one of our favorite games dead space is very hard to play the original version today you got to yeah. do a lot of workarounds with windows 11 and whatnot so the remake we've heard about for quite a while well we got eight minutes of footage and this had a lot of information this really got me hyped for this remake this is a remake that seems to be done right i am not a fan of remakes i've made that very well known i am very excited for the dead space remake um i think this is how you do a remake if you're going to do it and I think the timing definitely works as well. And the reason for that is Dead Space was revolutionary. When it came out, there was no other game that had done what Dead Space did. It's still, you, people that have been listening to the show for a long time hear us talk about it, it, it almost with like a reverence, right? Because it's like everything that Dead Space did was very unique, groundbreaking, atmospheric. The, there's no HUD. I mean, it was just a phenomenal game at its time. Now, that time was a long time ago. And if you look at it now, you're going to go, why? Like, yeah. what are you guys so like? <laughs> right. Why are you guys so hyped about this game? But that's because at the time it was revolutionary. And 
now with the remake, this is how you do it. You say, hey, here's a game that was phenomenal back in the day. We want to bring this up to speed for the 21st century so that people that may have missed that window can appreciate what this game is under modern wrappings. Yeah, people like me that always want to play it, but can't play it. I, I can't really play this game in its true form right now. Um, and I, 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 I'm, I, I've said this on a previous episode. I'm so excited about this. And just seeing the footage and seeing, you know, some side by side stuff of what they've done a little bit differently, very encouraging. Like it, it looks like a very well polished AAA title today. And I'll get a, uh, there's a few things that also change, which is really nice. You know, it's just a good remake. Yeah, there's a few things that are pretty foundational that they changed. So, for example, you can seamlessly walk through the entire ship. It is no longer where you go down a corridor and the game has to load the next room. So you can play the entire game with no loading screens. That in and of itself is enough to call it a remake, slap on some paint, make it look pretty, and you could just stop there. They didn't even do that. They even went a step further. Now there are areas of the ship that... Are, are much larger. So in the original, you see how you can see a little bit out the windows, but it's like a tight corridor. Now these are wide open parts of the ship that you can fully fly through. So back in the old dead space, I'm pretty sure you had to point and look at something and it would let you fly all the way across. And then you'd be stuck to that with your magnetic boots or whatever. Now they let you fully fly around in 3d space. The graphics look incredible. I mean, they even said that they added something that they're calling the intensity director, which sounded to me an awful lot like the AI from Left 4 Dead. <laughs> yes, thank you. So they're they're going to like alter your experience. So if you're walking through a part of the ship, they might randomly throw out some enemies that are going to pop out of grates or maybe they drop out of the ceiling. So the ship is never going to feel safe just because you've walked through one area. You can't now sit back and assume you can relax. You got to be on your toes the whole time. And it's going to make the ship feel a little bit more dangerous and a little more alive. And I, th- I think that's awesome. It's outright terrifying. And in a horror sci-fi game, that's a great thing. However, Kaba, I am very scared. I'm already scared just watching the I'm, I'm frightened. Josh, hold, hold me. Um, <laughs> maybe I don't know. I, no, no, thank right. you. I haven't forgotten your cliff comment, Michael. So I'm a little hesitant. Oh shoot! Yeah, that's gonna look bad. We should uh, edit that out in post. Um, yes, this looks terrifying, guys. Play yeah. the terrifying game. I oh, will man. say they they've really tried to approach quality of life stuff as well. This is what I like, and this is why I initially said this is how you do a remake because they're not just adding polygons. And then releasing the same old game with just, oh, look, we have better textures now. The flying around, they've said, we wanted to make this a quality of life adjustment so that you can actually get to where you want to go. If you are flying around through places, you know, you see debris and it feels like you're actually inside the ship. The atmosphere, they, they showed off a neat fog. Thing yeah. where you're in a engine you're in a decontamination room i guess getting decontaminated but then the the ground starts kind of filling up with fog and then that's when some of the monsters appear so you only see the very tips of like the monster's legs and i was like what a neat idea man like to kind of some games have done that with the really dark flashlight right it, it, you know and it's yeah. like okay well i get i have a flashlight and things are scary because i can't see everywhere but this was like another way to add to that tension and i thought that was a really neat touch so it seems like they're taking what made the base game good but when they're upgrading it to 21st century they're doing more than just graphics which i really like to see yeah and they do show on one of the missions where you have to bring power to the refueling station. This is the part we mentioned earlier. So you see circuit breakers, and you only have enough juice to turn on two things. And so you have to choose to turn off either your lights 
or your life support, which is your oxygen levels. And I couldn't believe that in the trailer here that they decide to drop the lights. I'm not playing this game darker than it already is where I can't see. I've already got to deal with the fog. I got to deal with the random aliens dropping out of the ceiling. There is no chance I'm electively choosing to turn off the lights. It did make me chuckle. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on. I I will say just for the sake of the game, I'll probably mix it up a little bit because having to jump from one oxygen thing to the other is stressful in its own right. You got to go find so the stations. Like, you're yeah. right. Do you, would you, are, do you want your stress level to be like time frame on how long you have oxygen or do you want your stress level to be, I can't see everything. So I don't know yeah. what's going to jump out at me now, <laughs> you know, and it's like pick which stress you want. Yeah. Well, I had that stress in V rising when we had to go from shadow to shadow. So it's really yeah. tough to do it in this game with oxygen stations. Yeah. So I'm going to turn around a question that you had asked, Josh, and I'm going to ask you guys, all right? We know that there's this huge tie between Callisto Protocol and Dead Space. Both games were originally designed by Glenn Schofield. So, Josh, I'm going to give you credit for this question here. Which game do you think is going to turn out better, the Dead Space remake or the Callisto Protocol? I love that we've been getting glimpses of both of them at I know, this point. at the same time. And, and honestly, <laughs> they both look incredible. And what's weird is if I showed you video of one and video of another with no titles, no subtext or anything, these games look so similar. Very similar. Like, you can tell they are bred from the same DNA, you know, as far as that goes. I'm going with Callisto Protocol. Okay. Believe it or not, I know it's a new IP. I know it's a new game. Dead Space has the advantage of having the history and they kind of know what to do in that regard. But I feel like my hopes are more so on Callisto Protocol just because it's new. They don't have to follow like a remake and say, hey, we have to stay true to the original to, to honor that. So I feel like that gives them a little bit more leeway. I feel like it gives Callisto Protocol a little bit of a higher ceiling. Mm. I think it's tough because to the opposite effect with Dead Space, they already know they've got a hit and they're fine tuning a few pieces. It's like you put it a game and you listen to the fan reaction to it and you see what actually worked and didn't. And now they get to redo that and make a great game a little bit better. And so like there's a lot less risk involved in that. It seems like the bar is set higher. It's going to be better probably. Being said, I kind of want to agree with Josh because again, they, they don't have to be shackled by the past they get to use the innovation of the future and and go with that. So I just I am I want to play them both and I hope they're both great. But I think Callisto <laughs> Protocol might actually have an edge just because again we've thought of so much in games. Now we don't have to be shackled by the past. We can do what's new. You could also argue that Dead Space has more to lose because people already have history with that game. Uh, this is kind of like when you get Armageddon and Deep Impact coming out at the same Ooh. time. You know, we're getting our Dead Space remake and Callisto Protocol. I think they're both going to be a lot of fun. I, I, I'll go ahead and zag a little bit. And I'm, I'll give the edge to the Dead Space remake. Watching these eight minutes, I was actually surprised at how excited I got. And we've also talked about how sound design cannot be enough to make a good game. But if you have a good game with really good sound design, it can elevate it even more. And hearing all the sound effects in Dead Space... Man, it, both of these games, I think, are going to be great. I really hope neither one lets us down. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't think they will. I don't think no. they will. That, I'm, I'm very optimistic bets. about these two games, to be honest. 
Yeah. And I like that they're coming out far enough apart. I would hate. Can you imagine if Dead Space Remake and Callisto Protocol released within like three weeks of each other? Yeah. Like that, how terrible that would be. <laughs> so I do like that there's a few months in between the two of them yeah. um, to give us time to kind of say, hey, all right, I'm done with Callisto Protocol. Now let me dive into Dead Space and see how that's going. You don't want your birthday and Christmas yeah, too close exactly. together yeah. like oh, my agreed. oldest daughter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My dad's birthday's on Christmas Day, and you know what? Oh, he no. gets a card for Christmas and a gift for his birthday, because I can't always give him two on the same day. It's like, yeah. Eh. yeah. Well, that's all the news that we're going to cover here for this week. Please make sure to check out our Patreon page at MultiplayerSquad.com. You can also follow us on socials everywhere at MultiplayerPod. And then as far as scheduling goes, we will be back with a quick take episode on Saturday. And then on Monday, we will have a new bonus round episode for you all. We just want to say thank you to everyone for listening. We really appreciate all the support and all the time that you spend listening to the show. And until next time, happy gaming, everybody. And this is going to be the best bonus round ever. I can feel it. Oh, they're all great. (laughs) All right. See you, everybody. (laughs) Cheers, all. Bye.